0: What is more annoying than waiting on a boring, interminable line? Here's a quote. I don't trust banks with counting money. If bankers can count, why do they always have eight windows and two tellers? The worst waits, of course, occur at our very unfavorite places. Slip on a wet step, Hear a sickening crunch as you land, and bet that your trip to the hospital ER is in your future. Bet too that when you get there, the place will look like Walmart on Black Friday, with squalling babies with runny noses, bleeding do-it-yourselfers, frightened wheezing great-grandfathers, all of the in desperate need and all of them ahead of you and your throbbing pain. Everyone in there feels awful and everyone there resents having to wait in line. Other infamous waiting rooms include that morning devouring line that you face in the Department of Motor Vehicles. I just went through that this week, having to renew my license. Why does it seem like it is the goal of every DMV employee to force you to stand in every single one of their mystery lines, keeping secret just which one that you really need to be in? We all hate to wait. Time spent waiting is time lost for living. God can make us, though, see waiting rooms differently. Jesus took advantage of every waiting opportunity to demonstrate God's love and presence. Sabbath day, wandering in wheat fields, fruitless fishing expeditions, killing time at a well in Samaria while the disciples were out getting groceries, All were times equally ripe for God, and he capitalized on every situation. While we might complain that we spend all our time living in waiting rooms, Jesus spent his ministry waiting in living rooms, meeting people where they were in all the circumstances that pressed first-century people. He hung around with Mary and Martha while they cooked and cleaned. He hung out at dinner parties and even inspired some creative types to take the ceiling off the living room to let their crippled friend down so that Jesus could heal him. So we should not be surprised then that John the Baptist is willing to entertain the authorities from Jerusalem when they asked him to explain himself. John the Baptist, you see, was the waiter par excellence. He let them know he was not the Messiah. He was not Elijah come back again. He was not the expected prophet like Moses. And when he denied all this, they were mystified. If he couldn't deliver on delivering Israel the way a good Messiah ought to, why all this dipping and dunking? John knew his baptism wasn't the whole answer, but he refused to just sit and wait when he knew that the time was at hand for God to begin acting in a new way. John was determined to live in the waiting room that had been assigned to him. We can be like John and use the opportunities the season presents. There are plenty of people stuck waiting. Sometimes it's silly to be sure. Here are some 911 calls to the LAPD to which crews really were dispatched A person had his arm stuck in a ready teller machine. I wonder what that was all about. An 18-year-old male couldn't get any rest at home and he wanted a ride to the hospital, therefore. A 61-year-old woman worried because her stomach was not growling. A daughter said her mom was acting weird. And finally, a call from a fellow out of breath from running away from the police. All of these may seem trivial and stupid, but they probably didn't seem trivial to the person making the call. Sure, people act dumb. Sure, they are out of sorts, especially at this time of year. Sure, they are peevish, perplexed, stressed out, and sometimes, frankly, ever so annoying. But in this time of waiting for the big day, they are also the most receptive to coming home to God again. The season has prepared a royal highway into their hearts, and Christmas is the number one opportunity for people who have fallen away from the church to come back. Like John... You may not be the Christ, but you represent him. You are a Christian. You may not be Elijah, but John didn't think he was either. You may not be a prophet, but do not quench the spirit who wants to use you in this season. We, like John, are all living in a waiting room. But as John was soon to recognize, the one that we are waiting for is already here. The coming of the Savior as a child in Bethlehem means power for living as we await his coming again in glory when he so chooses. If God calls you, like John, to be witness for living while waiting, he will certainly empower you to do it. He will enable you to be a constant witness to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, a phrase which John used first, but which the church now uses regularly in the liturgy. It is for us, like John, to grow into the role of being a voice crying in the wilderness that this world so often is. You may, with mixed feelings, have the opportunity in the days ahead to spend some time in those thoroughly modern waiting rooms called airports. There will be plenty of people there waiting to go home and not knowing exactly when the aluminum-winged chariot will arrive to whisk them away, not quite like Elijah of old. Some will be simply staring into space, idly killing time. Others will be attempting to be productive with their laptops or even with conversations. How many will be concerned that it is taking way too long? How many will be aware of the advent character of their situation? How many will be living in Christ? You and I may never know. That's not our job to know. But it is our job to be voices calling in the undeserted waiting rooms of life to make straight the way for the Lord while we hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil, to quote today's epistle, which we didn't read. And to enable you to do that, may God himself... The God of peace sanctify you through and through, and may your whole spirit and body and soul be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We worship our Savior with our tithes and offering. During the communion today, we'll be doing it a bit different. We'll be coming up in a single